0: Years ago, Nigeria decided to devise a non-military approach to fighting the Boko Haram insurgency in the northeast of the country. Under this controversial approach, persons associated with the violent extremist group would go through a process to facilitate their integration into society. But first, they would have to spend a period of time undergoing a series of activities which are designed as a part of the deradicalization, rehabilitation and reintegration program. Now, although the program is considered as an important component of countering violent extremism, there are concerns shadowing the implementation. These include the gender bias of the deradicalization program and the lack of adequate provision for women and girls. Hello, welcome to The Crisis Room, a podcast from Human Angle. I am Miriam Mustafa. In this podcast, we look at crisis trends across the country and answer the tough questions around them. This week, I'm here with my colleagues, Motala Abdullahi and Hawa Shafeen.
1: Thank you, Miriam. Today, we'll be talking about a controversial topic that is Nigeria's deradicalization program for persons associated with Boko Haram or what authorities often refer to as Repentant Boko Haram members. We also focus on the impact of gender bias and gaps in the implementation of the country's country and violent extremism program, as well as the jihad in terms of management of women and girls.
0: The deradicalization program coordinated by Operation Safe Corridor is quite controversial probably because of concerns about why people associated with terrorism should be reintegrated into society. Can you tell me your thoughts on this, Hawa and Murtala?
1: The situation is quite tricky when you look at it because some of the detainees were actually trapped in the system. Uh, They were not members of the group or associated of the groups. Uh, So, for example, human anger has covered the plight of the uh, women whose husbands were held by authorities. This led to the formation of the movement. Some of the men's husbands have also been released through Operation Safe how
0: Welcome to the crisis room. First, what are your thoughts on the program? Hi, Mariam. Thank you for having me. Um,
2: this is an interesting question. I'm not sure what my thoughts are on the program, but I'm just going to tell you the things that I have observed in the course of covering the topic. Um there are a lot of criticisms that have been leveled against the program, both from citizens and from researchers, and this is mostly due to the fact that when we compare um, the perceived um, reaction that people associated with terror groups get when they are being de-radicalized with the treatments that internally displaced persons in Nigeria get, there is a there is a huge gap. There is A stark contrast in all of it and so you find that there's a lot of resentment and grievances amongst ordinary members of the community towards the radicalization program that's on one hand on the other hand however a lot of um, the members of these terror groups were not born as members of the terror groups they were mostly victims who got abducted by the terror group and then who had to grow up within them and became radicalized by their ideological notions and convictions. And so it's important that a program such as this deradicalization program exists so as to be able to help them to reintegrate them back into the society in the events that they decide to desert the terror group. And so for women or for young boys who were abducted, say when they were 10 years old, and then had to spend up to 10 years amongst the terror groups, and now they are 20 and they are now terrorists, but now they want to come back into the society. If this program did not exist, it means that there would be no institutionalized um, form for these people to come back and then be reintegrated back into the society. And so it has its uses.
1: Well, And we should not actually forget that uh, Operation Safe Corridor, it's meant to be for low-ranking and low weeks yeah. members of Boko Haram or perceived members of Boko Haram. Uh, the State Security Service uh, also have a program known as SULHO for high-ranking members where mm. they get... Uh, where they get them to disengage or disassociate from the group. And then more recently, also, we have the Buenos State government leading the process in terms of management of the recent defectors uh, that left uh, Boko Haram after the fall of uh, Sambisa and the death of Shekau. However, what do you learn about the process for women that found themselves back into society?
2: Hmm. So, um, because the deradicalization program does not have room for them, it means that they oftentimes do not have any any state sanction process or institution that allows them to seek back into the society after going through a particular kind of you know program now this is the this is the situation for men the men who come back are able to go through the the DERAD program and then come back into the society but not so for the women we do not have a system that vets this woman that's that gauges the level of um radicalization that they have and then now tries to take that out of their heads nothing like that exists so these women just leave some bisaphores and then come back and they begin to live in the society again whether or not they're radicalized nobody knows they just come back into the society and live
1: that actually appears to be a serious gap uh, in the, the CVE program. Uh, so do women actually go through Operation Safe Career?
2: Oh, they don't. They, they actually do not. And that's a really, really huge problem. Um, because So in the model of the deradicalization program that was used before this current model... Um, about 63 women were de-radicalized, and the program was designed and implemented by a renowned behavioral psychologist dr fatima akilu i actually spoke with her for my report and she shared that she de-radicalized about 63 women um during well she was well her own model was being used and i asked why the program stopped admitting women she explained that the program didn't actually stop admitting women. The program simply stopped existing after the current governor of um, Burno State came into power and decided that he did not want to go ahead with that model. And so when this current model was brought, it did not have space for women. Only three women were, um, were admitted into the program in, I think, 2016 or 2017. And so, yes, there are no women currently
0: in the program um current model being used. Um our authorities may be considering to fix this problem so that women can now be admitted? Uh not at all. Because I actually reached out to the authorities while
2: I was um doing the report to say, oh, here is what I found and these are the dangers of having unregulated um women Boko Haram disasters back into society and I, I was just basically asking if they had any um plans of fixing that gap and there was no response at all so it really does not seem like um, authorities are trying to fix that but it's also not just about fixing that it's also making sure that when the program reopens to women it does so in a way that is safe in a way that is effective because um the three women who were admitted in the First batch of the current model being used, I spoke to them, and they shared that they were they were objectified and sexualized. They were asked, for example, to shake the hands of men in order to prove that they were not they were no longer radicalized now these are women these are Muslim women who do not um who do not who are not amenable to the idea of you know being in physical contact with men that are not part of their family or they are not their husbands, but now they are being required to shake their hands just to prove that they are not members of Boko Haram or that they are no longer radicalized and then there was also the case of them being asked to wear bikinis outside just to show that they were no longer radicalized so if you look at all of these things you see that the problem extends beyond the program not having room for women it's also the fact that when it did have room for women what did it do did it implement it effectively? Did it effectively de-radicalize women? And so while authorities might be considering reopening it to women, it's also important for them to do so in a way that is safe and that is respectful and empowering of these women.
1: Well, thank you, Howard, for sharing this incredible insight. What's clear is that uh, there are gaps in the de-radicalization program in the country And even when we want to fix that, it needs to be gender responsive and sensitive. Uh, In terms of achieving long term peace and security in the region, radicalization plays a key role, and doing that in an effective and efficient manner is very important.
2: I absolutely agree. I I think um, there is this fundamental um, misconception in the society um, in the way that we view women. We view women as victims, but women can be perpetrators. Women have been perpetrators. And so it's also important that we, rethink the way that we view women, the way that we cos um society perceives the agency of women. We have not reached that stage where society agrees that women in fact do have enough agency to inflict harm. And if we do not get to that stage, I don't think it's possible to get to the stage where we now try to curb the problem of women inflicting such um harms.
1: Yeah, what's actually clear is that addressing gender bias and improving gender uh, responsiveness in terms of Nigeria's countering violent extremism and countering insurgents is in trigger long-term peace uh, in the region.
0: Yeah. this is an episode of Human Angle Crisis Room thank you for listening I am Miriam Mustafa join in next week for another episode members of our production team are Murtala Abdullahi Anthony Asemuta and Tracy Allen Ezechuku. The executive producer is Ahmed Sorkida.